Hey guys, welcome to episode number 14 of Prospect Bar, and I'm Curtis Ratner. Welcome back, guys. Uh, Happy New Year, and uh, I'm Jeff Lightford. Yeah, you know what Happy New Year means. Happy New Year means it is World Junior season. The tournament is in full swing right now. Uh, it's been a great tournament so far. A lot of great games, a few big upsets already. I, I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, it's been so exciting to watch. I've, I got, over the last few days, I got to lost, watch a lot of the games, so it's uh, exciting, and the games are just getting better and better. Uh, especially with the elimination games coming up next week, this weekend. Yeah, just having hockey back in general is awesome. It's so weird having World Juniors be the first type of hockey we see back. Normally we have a few months of NHL, and then World Juniors are around Christmas and New Year time again. But obviously this year, special circumstances, everything's different. So the World Juniors is the first thing we get. And uh, it's been awesome. The tournament's in full swing right now. It's been going on for six days. Uh, Czech and Austria are tied 0-0. That game's going on right now. Uh, we had an unbelievable game in overtime between Russia and Sweden last night. Germany clinched a spot in the elimination round for the first time ever yesterday with a big win over Switzerland. Uh, the Czechs shut out Russia 2-0 a few days ago. There's been so many awesome games and just it's so nice to have good hockey back like this. And uh, Jeff, is there any game you want to go into right away specifically or a certain player or how do you want to do this? Um. I mean, all the, game, all the games are pretty wild. Uh, like like you, right you said right now, Czech versus Austria is playing. Actually, Czech just scored to make it one nothing in the second. But um, no, I mean, we talk about let's talk about like the best players uh, that you think like, stand out so far in the tournament. Uh, just because I talked about them pre-tournament, I'll uh, go back into them again. Trevor Zegers for the U.S. has been unbelievable. Uh, he was their best player last year, in my opinion, and he's no doubtably their best player this year. Tied for the tournament lead in points with only three games played to everyone else's four who's up there. Uh, five goals, five assists for ten points through three games. He's been unbelievable playmaking, shooting the puck, every area of the ice, and Anaheim fans must be thrilled they snagged, they snagged him at nine. Yeah, he looks like his passes are just like the passes he was making last year. Like unbelievable, you can't even believe it. Sometimes, sometimes like uh, you get to feed a player like Caulfield, like unbelievable. Um, so I've had a lot of fun watching him. Definitely looking forward to him playing Sweden tonight and see what he can do against their top line. Uh, it's gonna be definitely an exciting game, and uh, he's gotta be a big in for the U.S. if they want to put up some goals and win that game. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Sweden, uh, obviously that game last night that we were talking about before we even uh, came on. To the show, the great game against Russia last night, ending in overtime. The Russians closing it out with just, I think it was two seconds left in overtime, I believe. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, Sweden took a penalty with about 24 seconds left in overtime. And then the uh, Russian power play comes through. Marat Kushnadov, 37th overall to Minnesota in this past 2020 draft. Uh, backhand, forehand, five-hole. Uh, giving the Russians a lead and ending the uh, Sweden winning streak that we've talked about for seemingly 15 years now in the preliminary rounds. Yeah, definitely. That was a tough loss for Sweden last night, especially because this year with all the players they lost even before the tournament because of COVID reasons. So uh, it's definitely going to be uh, upsetting for the players that couldn't make it uh, for those reasons because they if they definitely believe that if they had a full healthy squad, they would have won that game. Yeah, something worth noting, too, about that game is Jesper Wallstadt was actually the starting goalie for Sweden in that game, not uh, Hugo Anafel, who's been their guy. Wallstadt is 2021 draft eligible. I thought he had a great game, looked solid, 
Uh, just couldn't get the bounces going their way at the end. But that was an interesting choice. I don't know if it was uh, trying to rest NFL or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, that was the decision Sweden went with. And, obviously, the streak ends up finally coming to an end after 54 games. But that's just that's unbelievable to talk about. 54 straight preliminary games they won. You had a feeling it was going to come to an end at some point. Obviously, they're not going to go the rest of the IHF World Juniors without losing a game. But I don't know. I, I didn't think it was last night. I had Sweden last night. I thought it would be them. It was a great hockey game. Uh, Philip Broberg was Team Sweden's captain, a Edmonton Oilers draft pick, seemingly hurt again in the second period after missing a, the Austria game. He came back, looked fine. It's something worth keeping an eye on. But uh, – yeah, like you said, I still think a, a Sweden team with all their weapons potentially with their original coaching staff is probably a better team than Russia. But, I mean, hey, anything can happen in these games. And uh, not, not trying to sell Russia short. They played a great game. They have a great team as well. Yeah, for sure. And that, uh, that, that big streak for Sweden, I mean, I saw the stats last night. They beat Russia seven times during that uh, streak. And then um, – they beat up on the teams they obviously should have beat, like Germany, Denmark, uh, Switzerland. But they uh, only had to play U.S. twice, beat U.S. twice, and then only beat Canada three times, which still, like, that's a huge accomplishment. But um, um, they did definitely uh, get a lucky draw, it looks like, even though they had to play Russia seven times, which is kind of huge. But beating Russia seven times in a row is no joke. Yeah, and you know all the Russian players, while well, obviously they weren't on those teams, they all know about that. They all know about the history. They know they haven't won in seven straight games against them. They know about this illustrious streak, streak Sweden's had. So that's got to feel great to finally break that, especially after a very, very disappointing performance against the Czechs getting shut out. They lost 2 nothing just a few days before that. Exactly. And uh, getting back on the players, uh, my like favorite player to watch so far this tournament has to be Tim Stutzel uh, on Germany. Like, the game he played yesterday, obviously uh, not one of the top-notch teams he played against, but still, like he like dominated. Like every time he got the puck, he's he's dominating. He's making moves. Uh, he's making the whole team uh, come at him. And like his goals he scored yesterday, looks like he's prime for the NHL. Looks, he's kind of reminds me of, like Capo Caco in the last year on uh, on Finland. And that is just he just looks so good out there. Even his uh, uh, Paterka, I think his line mate looks great too. So. Uh, Germany, even though they're not the deepest team, they have two great players who are probably both in the t- easily top ten in the in the in the tournament. I'd say. Yeah, this German team has been arguably my favorite team to watch so far outside of the U.S. Like you said, Stutzel's been unbelievable. I think he's been the best player in the tournament. As good as Zegers has been, as good as Quinton Byfield looked the other night, as good as a couple other obviously studs who rightfully have looked as good as they should. Have looked. I think Stutzel has been the best player. I think Paterka has been unbelievable as well. Uh, this German team, like I said earlier, clinches a spot in the elimination round for the first time in their history. Uh, it was in a wild game, five-four finish. They were up four-nothing. Then at five-two with like a minute and a half left, and Switzerland comes back, and makes it five-four. But Germany was able to close the door. Uh, Stutzla's second goal, like you said, was just unbelievable. Uh, Paterka had a hat trick. His, uh, I believe it was his second, was an absolute rocket of a one-timer off a pass from Stutzla on the power play. This German team is so much fun to watch, and 
honestly, they're they're really easy to root for right now. Yeah, for sure. I had a ton of fun watching them uh, so far this tournament. I mean, the first time, like you said earlier, getting to the elimination rounds, like so, there'll be quarterfinals this year. Uh, it's a huge step forward for the for them. Uh, definitely, like the games are just getting hard from here. So we'll see if their depth uh, is their enemy. But uh, their first line can play at any any line in this tournament. I I believe that. Um, but like, yeah, once they get playing, if they get like matched up against the top team, uh, it's gonna be tough for them. But we'll see if they can happen. Like we saw, they did play um, uh, Canada, I believe, and uh, Canada took a very big advantage of them. I think they beat like sixteen to two or something like that. It was a little crazy. Really quick recapping that first line like you just talked about last night. Uh, Stutzla had two and three for five points. Paterka had three and two for five points. And the other the other winger, uh, Florian Eliash, had two assists as well. So that's a 12-point night for that line on five goals by your team. That's pure domination. No doubt they don't win that game without that line producing like that. Um, I think there's a couple NHL teams right now that are, that are a little salty. Let, Paterka slipped to 34, and uh, Buffalo's got to feel great about that pick right now because he looks just as good as anybody in this tournament right now. Yeah, exactly. He looks NHL ready as well. Um, uh, unbelievable. I'm, I'm sure Eichel's finally he's helping these guys. They got Hall this offseason, and then if he comes in, and they got Olofsson, they got some good young players, uh, so they, they can build a pretty good squad, and they have a pretty good back end as well with some young guys. So Eichel's definitely happy because he needed a change, and he needed a change fast. Yeah, exactly. And you can't forget also about their first-round pick from this year, eighth overall, Jack Quinn from the Ottawa 67s, also going to be a promising young player. So I think things uh, – I feel like it's said almost every year, but things might finally start to be changing around a little bit in Buffalo. Uh, obviously, you have Rasmus Dahlin on the back end, Rasmus and who I've actually heard trade rumors about. But like you said, most notably Taylor Hall coming in finally – Give Eichel a true scoring winger on that line. Jeff Skinner was a massive overpay that I think everyone was kind of surprised when that happened. But, uh, yeah, between Paterka and Jack Quinn, this uh, 2020 draft class looks like it's pretty good for the uh, for the Sabres so far. For sure. Um, and then, I mean, obviously they got players on Canada playing just how we expected them to play. Obviously Dylan Cousins up there, three games, nine points. So he's uh, right on pace with all those guys. Uh, but yeah, Team Canada, they're scoring a ton of goals. I mean, they got held to a really good game the other night, only winning three to one. But uh, other other than that, they just you can't stop them. Their power play is unbelievable. Uh, their top players like are as good as anyone. Every single like their whole team is as good as any other team's best players as well. So uh, it's they they look amazing. It's gonna be really hard stopping them. Yeah, it almost looks as if Canada has four first lines. I know what you're saying. They can roll anybody out and be essentially dominant they can be any line can dominate their team's first line it's pretty cool to watch uh they had a very convincing wind over switzerland 10 nothing uh no surprise there they beat the germans 16-2 like you said uh i feel like they're a team that if they want to keep scoring they'll just keep scoring it's one of those types of things which can seem kind of i don't want to say classless in a way to run up the score like that, but in tournaments like these, goal differential matters. So they're not just scoring to score. Like it, it helps them. The bigger goal differential they increase, 
hypothetically, if they were to tie with a team in terms of points or standings, they would get the higher seed, which is huge in a tournament like this. Yeah, exactly. And um, definitely can't talk about Canada without, without talking about uh, what happened to Kirby Doc. Uh, awful for him. Uh, like, not even, like, in the game yet. Just, like, in a preliminary preliminary game, uh, he just ran to a Russian player, just made a little, like, bump, uh, broke his wrist. So it was horrible for him. He was their captain, one of their top players. And uh, he's, already, he's already played an NHL game, so the Blackhawks were hoping to have him this season. But looks like he's going to be out four to five months, which is pretty much the whole season. In uh, a guy that had, like, an unbelievable playoffs last year, uh, I think he has seven points for the Blackhawks in the playoffs, which is really good for working the amount of games they played. Uh, like, it sucks for them. And um, the Blackhawks uh, GM definitely has to be double, like, overthinking himself right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Obviously, we had talked in previous episodes about the possibility of teams letting their guys go. Kirby Doc was obviously the first one announced before any other team made their decision. But we talked about the Rangers letting Lafreniere or Kako go, the Devils letting Jack Hughes go. And as a Rangers fan, I wanted to see Lafreniere and Kako in the World Juniors lighting it up as much as anybody. I thought that was going to be awesome to watch. But when you really think about it, a lot of people were disappointed when none of those, when Kako, Hughes, Lafreniere weren't released. But this is why. It was such an innocent-looking play, and now you're without Doc for four to five months. Also, Jonathan Taze will miss the start of the season. I think he's missing three to four months. So that, I mean, tough news for Blackhawks fans before the year even starts. Obviously, they're not the team they once were, but getting in last year, beating Edmonton in a very sloppy series, I don't think they really had much of a chance against Vegas. Vegas was just such a better team than them. But tough news for Team Canada, tough news for Kirby Doc, and tough news for Chicago. Uh, obviously wish Kirby Doc uh, a speedy recovery. He's a he's a very good player and someone that's really easy to root for. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a tough loss for uh, the Canadians, but they haven't really uh, struggled out of them uh, as, as we'd expect cause, just because of how deep they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, recapping quick that Switzerland game, second overall pick, Quinton Byfield, had his, I guess you could say, coming out party. He started the tournament in training camp on their so-called fourth line. Uh, I guess they were saying, obviously he didn't look bad or anything like that. It just might have taken him a few extra days to get his legs back. No, nobody really skated in so long, or at least in a true practice sweat setting. No one, None of these kids have played games since pretty much March, except for someone that played in the bubble, like Kirby Doc. But uh, Byfield had his coming out party with uh, two goals, four assists for six points on ten goals. And uh, LA Kings fans were sure happy to see that. And then, um, let's see, um, so the games today we're looking at right now, obviously we got the Czech-Austria, uh, the Czechs is dominating uh, this game, 25 shots to 8 at the moment, and they're up, and they're now up, what looks like it's going to be 2 nothing. I think the goal's under review, but then obviously just want to get your thoughts on the Canada-Finland game, and then the U.S.-Sweden game later tonight. Yeah, I mean, those are two of the best games we'll see in the preliminary round, getting them back-to-back like that should be awesome. Uh, obviously Sweden playing yesterday in an OT thriller against Russia, U.S. having a day of rest. Uh, I would lean U.S. in that game, but I also am not going to be shocked either way. That should be a great competitive hockey game. Uh, Canada-Finland should also be a good game. Finland's had kind of a, a, a wacky tournament, I guess you could say. They haven't really beaten anyone too bad. Except for Slovakia, they beat 6 nothing. Uh, they played the Germans to a very good game. They played the Swiss to a pretty solid game and ended up winning 4-1. Uh, I do like Canada tonight again. 
it's hard to not like Canada. I just think when it comes down to depth, they're the uh, much deeper team. As far as Finland goes, obviously we assumed it'd be Anton Lundell carrying that offense, and he's done exactly that. He's been their best player by far. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd say the same thing. Uh, I think I definitely like Canada tonight, uh, and then finish up these games undefeated. Oh yeah, Sweden. Like they do have like Lundell, obviously you just said, and like they have top producers on their team. They can score goals as well. But Canada, I think if they get into like a a game where there's chances back and forth, Canada's going to dominate that against any team in the tournament. So uh, Finland has to play a very good defensive game tonight if they want to keep it close. Uh, but Obviously, upsets happen in this tournament. A lot of things can change uh, by the minute. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to that game, but I definitely have Canada winning. And then, yeah, like you said, USA versus Sweden. Sweden played a hard game last night, like extremely hard-hitting game, uh, went to overtime. And then in USA, USA obviously got the rest. But I don't know. USA, they kind of they know, they know disappoint me a lot of times in these, uh, these situations. So I'm rooting for USA if I think Sweden can still pull it off. But I'm hoping USA wins so they can get some momentum running into the into the playoff round. Yeah, for sure. Um, as it sits right now, obviously there's still games being played. Uh, if we just take the assumption here that Canada does beat Finland, it would sit Canada matches up against the Group B four seed to be the Czech. Uh, Finland would be the two, and assuming. If the U.S. wins, then U.S. would be two and Sweden would be three, so these would be flopped. So the loser of the Sweden-U.S. game would play Finland. Germany would play the winner of that game, and Slovakia would most likely play Russia, as Russia is the one seed in Group B right now. Um, I think everything is still matching up. I'm not going to change my prediction. I picked Canada pre-tournament. I'm not going to pump my tires too much. It was the obvious pick, but I'm still sticking to it. They're just that much deeper than everyone else. Uh, I would love to see Germany come in and medal. I think that'd be unbelievable. I was a little bit off of them. I was on them at the start, and then obviously all that COVID hit them. They had 15 skaters for their first game, and it was just kind of, I don't know how I feel about this team. They're going to be tired. It's a long tournament, but they've been great. Stutzel's been great. Paterka's been great. Uh, I'm, I, I would love to see Germany medal, but I'm still sticking with uh, Canada to take the gold. Uh I think U.S. and Sweden take the other two medals. U.S. being silver, Sweden being bronze. Yeah, I'd love to see. Uh, I would love to see Germany medal as well. Like, there's a great team, fun to watch. But yeah, uh, yeah, and obviously Canada. I think everyone pretty much had them winning uh, this tournament. So uh, hoping we'll see if they can stick with gold. But I'd love to see USA in that gold medal game. Uh, like that'd be a great game to watch and. Just see like if USA can pull finally pull it off, but um, yeah, and I don't know Sweden. I think Russia Russia could easily win silver as well. Silver like they could easily be in that game, um, but, like because they they already beat the US uh, and they beat Sweden last night, so they have some two big wins right now. So we'll see what happens with them, but you never really know, and but you never really know how these tournaments work out once the playoffs start. Yeah, exactly. Um... Any kind of one-game format, especially in hockey, a sport where you're normally in any kind of playoff format doing some sort of series, but in a tournament like this, it's obviously just one game. Anything can happen in one game. We all know that. Hence the Czech shutting out Russia earlier in the tournament. That was Czech's only win so far. It was a shutout win against the number one team in Group B that just beat Sweden, ending that illustrious win streak we were talking about. So anything can happen. 
the one game format is nuts. Uh, Canada's goal differential I want to get into real quick. It is just so far and away better than everyone else. The U.S. is the second closest, but 29 goals for, three goals against. Uh, the Canada team is just, like I said, they're just so deep. I feel like I'm just beating this into the ground right here by saying it over and over again, but it really is. You had somewhat of a question mark in that, I guess you could say, just because you didn't know who the goalie would be. Not that they were concerned, but uh, Devin Levi has been the starter. He's been great with a uh, 95.24 save percentage, a .75 goals against, and a shutout. Uh, if he keeps it up, I personally don't see Canada losing. They're just they're just walking all over teams right now. Yeah, exactly. And I, like, I, what's it? Uh, games played. Yeah, so U.S. and Canada both the same games played. Canada has eight more goals than the U.S. Uh, so yeah, and obviously that one game against Germany they scored 16 goals, so it's hard to keep up with them there. But yeah, I, Canada uh, all around can't I can't see anyone really uh, beating them. But maybe in a one game situation like it is, it's possible if USA just plays a very good team game, they can do it. But it's definitely gonna be tight, tough, and uh, Spencer Knight has to has to play out of his mind to beat that team. Yeah, well, before we get well, really quick, uh, it's also worth mentioning that the U.S. is playing a much tougher schedule. Their side has Russia and Sweden. Uh, as well as the Czech, but Austria's in that as well, who's by far the weakest team. Um, Canada's really toughest game is Finland, which is not an easy game by any means, but the U.S. having to face Russia and Sweden is definitely a, a harder group for sure. Um, as far as the U.S. goes in net, uh, I really hope that Spencer Knight returns to form, obviously getting pulled. For, uh, for Dustin Wolf that one game, and then Dustin Wolf came in and started the next one as well, uh, actually having a shutout in that game. So I'm not sure what they do here. I think Spencer Knight is probably their guy in a must-win game, but uh, if Dustin Wolf plays the way he's capable of right now, I, I don't see them uh, moving on unless he uh, starts to slip. Yeah, exactly. Can't, it's not, I don't think either of them is going to be a huge difference. Obviously, Spencer Knight has that big first-round pick, first-round pick, like, uh, by the Panthers, and everyone's been talking about that. He's an elite goaltender, um, like like a Carter Hart, some, some somewhere around there. But uh, yeah, if he's not playing up to this up up to his like capability, I don't see why they wouldn't go uh, with with other guys. You're really two number ones, not really a backup. It's usually like a one A one B situation for the USA. So either either one, I think they're confident and they can get the win. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another goalie worth mentioning, just because he's. One of the most talked about goalies, probably along with Spencer Knight, is Jaroslav Oskarov, first round pick to Nashville in this past draft. So yeah, Oskarov's numbers might not pop off like like Levi's or Wolf's, but still at the same time, he's he's been playing every game. He's been under a lot of pressure, and he's made the key saves when he's had to. You really can't see those on a stat sheet, but watching the games, you know he's kept Russia in games that they uh, that could have gotten had a hand. Yeah, for sure. A lot of the goalies have been playing unbelievable. Uh, definitely, like, obviously, like, this is a top level for them, so they're trying to show their stuff. Some of them, like, most of them have been drafted, but uh, they want they want to show their NHL clubs what they can do at this high level of play. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and yeah, we've had a ton of, I feel like we've had a ton of shutouts this year, more than, uh, more in the years past, but I feel like I see every single day at least one shutout. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is a little weird to see this many shutouts, but as a new circumstances, new format, obviously you have teams that are, I don't want to say beating up on other teams, but there's obviously times where 
the just a straight mismatch in terms of the team. Uh, like U.S. Austria. I want to talk about Austria for a second. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about how like it's a, almost a joke to have them in this tournament. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Austria is not going to go out there and win a bunch of games, but you know they they qualified for the tournament rightfully so. There's a chance they get relegated. Obviously, anyone can, I guess. But it's about growing the games in this in these other countries and shrinking it to like a five six team tournament where it's only like the power five and then like one other team, like whether it's Germany or Slovakia that year, I guess you could say, or the Czech possibly. That's not what it's about. It's about playing for your country. It's about growing the game there. And think if you weren't able if Austria wasn't in the tournament you wouldn't be able to see a player like Marco Rossi who is an unbelievable talent uh if you want to look here's a stat for you about his um junior stat has nothing to do with the tournament but he has 2.31 points per game now all-time points per game leaders in their 19 years or younger season the only players to have more than him are Eric Lindros Connor McDavid, Jason Allison, Patrick Kane, Andrew Castles, and Dan Quinn. 2.31 points per game. Those are the only people in the history of the OHL in their under-19 season with more points per game than him. So you're saying because his nation in general isn't as deep or doesn't have as rich a hockey history, they shouldn't be in the tournament? That's just That's just so wrong. All these teams keep getting better every year. A few years ago, people were laughing at how bad Germany was. Look at them now. They're in the elimination round. They just had a, a big win over Switzerland, who's obviously not a, a power team either, but it was a great game. They're producing great talent, Stutzla, Paterka, and I think, if anything, not only should the tournament stay the same, but they should... I guess adding more would be a little kind of eh, but... The format they have right now is so solid and it works so well. Like, yeah, there's going to be blowouts, but that doesn't mean you need to change the tournament. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I'm all for keeping it like at least the same size. I mean, there's other teams that can come in kind of like uh, like Denmark. They You see them some years. Uh, so if, if they can't, they uh, there's no like making this tournament smaller. It just wouldn't be as fun to watch. It wouldn't be as much hockey. And then... Like you were saying, um, you miss out on some great players that are on some not so great teams. Like uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Nico Heischer, like if, if they made the tournament smaller, he wouldn't have been in the tournament. And he was like, he showed everyone how good he was in the, in the tournament when he first came in. And that's why he, then he went number one overall in the draft. So he was unbelievable. Uh, so you, you'd miss out on players like that if you um, if you wait if you wave some of the teams. Yeah, exactly. So uh, do you want to give us like your your updated uh, projections. I'm not. I don't think you uh, you gave yours yet. Um, uh, I got oh, it's so tough. It's so tough. There's someone. It's like the top four teams. Anyone outside? Canada's gold, and then silver. Honestly, I'll probably go. I'll probably go silver to Russia, and bronze to the U.S. I like that. Um, obviously, we never know how it's actually going to play out. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about the World Juniors before we move on? Uh, no, I just, uh, can't wait to watch the end of the last week of it and uh, get get the NHL season going in two weeks. It was unbelievable. I can't wait. Yeah, NHL season's right around the corner, and we're kind of going to segue into that right now. Going to do a little bit of a breakdown of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, one of the most interesting teams in the league for so many reasons. Obviously, the way they came in 
and made a cup run right away. No one expected that. They were written off before the season was over. You heard the name Golden Misfits all the time, and rightfully so. They were just the players that their respected teams didn't want to protect. But uh, they did so much right before even putting the team on the ice. Uh, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon were so essential in building a team that was not supposed to be good right away. People forget that. In that 2017 initial draft, they had 12 picks, three of them first-rounders. Those three first-round picks, Cody Glass, who will most likely be their full-time second-line center this year, with Stastny being out in Winnipeg now. Nick Suzuki, who they ended up flipping for Pacioretty in the Pacioretty trade, who we'll get into later. And Eric Brandstrom at 15, who they ended up flipping in the Mark Stone trade. Now, they ended up moving on from two of those three picks in exchange for players that could help them right now, which makes sense, obviously, but because of the success they had. But the initial plan wasn't to compete for a cup in the first few years. It was to build a foundation, get young prospects, almost like you can't call it a rebuild because they didn't start with anything. It's a brand new team, but in the same sense of they want to just develop a good young prospect pool and kind of bring them up as the core of the team is what their goal was. Obviously, things went a little off plan. It was a good thing because of how successful they were. Nobody expected William Carlson, who had six goals in Columbus, to come in and score 42 his first year as a Golden Knight. Uh, James Neal kind of revived his career that year. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault was great. Obviously, you had Marc-Andre Fleury. The team was just so unique and... Obviously, I think it was tough for them to move on from those picks, but they ended up doing it, and I just wanted your opinion on how that's worked out for them so far. The uh, the Nick Suzuki for match Pacioretty trade specifically, because I understand after signing Petrangelo, they're going to be up against the cap. Like That makes sense. Petrangelo was the biggest name on the market, I think if you slot them in as a D pairing right now, Petrangelo and Shea Theodore is probably the best defensive pairing in the league, assuming they work well together, which they should have no problem doing. They're both very smart defensemen. Uh, Shea Theodore loves to jump up in the rush. Alex Petrangelo is a great lockdown defender. That should be no problem. But being up against the cap now, you're kind of forced to possibly make a move, and Pacioretty is the guy that comes to mind. He's got the big contract. But if they do end up flipping Pacioretty, the one thing I'll say is it's just a pretty bad look in general just because of what they gave away and how good Nick Suzuki looks in Montreal right now. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when they first made that trade, I mean, they're kind of taking a little chance. But uh, Pacioretty's a good player. Like He's all, he's a solid player, top six forward uh, this whole career. Uh, he was great in Montreal, especially early in his career. But, uh, yeah, Suzuki, uh, he really turned it on the end of last season. Uh, with Montreal, so I, if, if Suzuki ends up being like a, a, a very good top top line forward, like for the next like ten years, it's gonna look bad on Vegas. Um, but I mean, Vegas—they went from being uh, a team that's just gonna go out and play their first year and see what happens to a team that's in win now mode because uh, all the players I have, uh, like you said, they're against the cap, but they want to win. They've they've been a competitive team uh, since they've been in the league. Everyone underestimated underestimated them, even me. Uh, I, they proved me wrong the first season, like 30 games in, um, uh, with some bets I made. But um, 
yeah, so Vegas, like, they're in window. They get the goalies. Uh, they have the defenseman, like you said, probably a top top D pairing in the league. Uh, Arguably a top goalie tandem in the league um, and everything like that. So, but, yeah, but um, Pat's ready. He's going to have a big season for them so they can um, – so they cannot be so mad about the situation with uh, Suzuki if he goes off this year as well in the next few years down the road. But if they win this year or they get to the, like they probably have to win to be happy. But if they win this year, they won't even be. I don't think really caring about what happened to Suzuki trade if Patch Ready stays on the team the whole year and is not traded at the deadline. Yeah, uh, Patch Ready as of right now is 32 years old. He's got two more years left on his deal, which is a seven million dollar cap hit per year. Obviously, getting rid of that contract would certainly help them, but like you said, he's still a valuable player to that team. He's still going to most likely get you between 20 and 30 goals every single season, uh, play on that second line, most likely centered by Cody Glass, like we talked about, who I have big hopes for this season. I think he'll finally come into his own. Uh, obviously, the departure of Stassi, like we said, opens up that spot for him. Uh, the other trade that we mentioned I want to dive into a little more is the Eric Branson trade. Now that one I think is looking a lot better than the Pacioretty one in the sense that I would have assumed by now Branson would be an everyday NHL player, which he hasn't quite proven yet. This year I think he should be coming up. Uh, Suzuki has been not only an everyday player for Montreal, but one of their best players in the bubble in the playoffs this season, knocking off Pittsburgh in a surprising upset and having a great series against Philly. Nick Suzuki was one of their best players in that series. Shows you can play that kind of playoff hockey. In the Bransom trade, you give up someone that I had very high hopes for, grandfully, but he's kind of developed a little slower than I had thought, and you get Mark Stone, who's probably the best defensive winger in the NHL, and someone that you have signed within days of the trade, you locked him up long-term. So I love what they did there. It's such an interesting thing, and I'm so intrigued to see what they do here with the patch or anything, because like we said, freeing up space will be a need for them when they have to sign some of these big guys. Obviously, Schmidt's gone now. He's out in Vancouver. But the whole, I don't want to say dynamic of the team, but you can't move patch already for essentially nothing. This is a salary dump in the in, like, in the midst of trying to win this cup as a one of the three or four favorites to win it and just do it as a salary dump and your team significantly worse on the ice. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. If they even if they do trade Patre this year, I mean, I don't think a team's gonna take on his full contract. He's a huge contract that not a lot of teams could afford right now. So um it's I mean if he plays well this year it's it's one thing, but if they if they end up uh, trading him away, they gotta get something good for him, or the Suzuki trade is gonna look really bad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I said I still think they're a team that's poised to make a run this year. If you're at a spot to make a run, obviously this new format's gonna be so weird. That other thing, I don't think you can be too high on the good teams or too bad on the low teams or too low on the bad teams. Excuse me. This year, just because you're playing the same teams over and over again, and it's so hard to beat the same teams six out of eight times or whatever it is, you know, because eventually you just figure each other out, and it's kind of just like you don't know. It's just kind of a you can't. It's so you're not going to see any team. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Tampa Bay against Detroit this year. You're not going to see them beat them all eight times or whatever it is. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to see them win. 
six times most likely. I guess you could. But playing the same teams over and over again this year is going to be so odd. It's going to come down to just such a minimal amount of points that if Vegas is any what on the verge of potentially missing, I don't think you can trade Pacioretty. But it's going to bring up a big or decent problem down the road when you need to re-sign other guys. Yeah, for sure. And looking at the like the West Division right now for the season, I mean, obviously Colorado, one of the Stanley Cup favorites. And then you have St. Louis, who's right up there as well with Vegas. And so you get those top three teams after that. Um, I, there's no chance I, I see them missing the playoffs this year because the top four teams make it uh, in each division. So I only know who will be the fourth team. Probably be a battle between uh, Arizona and Minnesota, if I'm, I'm guessing. But um, but yeah, I think Vegas no doubt makes the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're going to have to play really bad. I, but like you said, playing these teams six, seven times, whatever it is, whatever it is, uh, is going to be tough. And like you're going to see probably a lot of splitting, even like like St. Louis against San Jose, like I mean, yeah, or Vegas against San Jose. Like it's not like it's not like Vegas going to beat. San Jose all seven times or six times for how many times they play. So, but yeah, I don't, I think they're in the playoffs this year for sure. So I don't know if they're going to have to dump. They might, if they're an all in now, like win right now mode, like I don't, I don't see them dumping them unless like this season takes a turn from the worst right off, right off the start. Yeah, exactly. Um, honestly, looking at the cap friendly right now, there's not too many guys they have to worry about coming up soon most notably uh 2022 2023 season riley smith's a ufa ryan reeves uh cody glass will be a restricted free agent and if he is going to turn into the player i think he will he's probably going to need a pretty big haul coming in uh nicholas wah as well in rfa in 2023 uh, 2022, they lose Alec Martinez, who was very good for them after acquiring him from the deadline. He's just a very solid shutdown defenseman. He's not going to overwhelm you with points, but uh, can play all areas of the ice, good in the penalty kill, stuff like that. Uh, Braden McNabb, Nick Holden, UFA is coming up in 2023. Zach Whitecloud's an RFA in the 2023 season. Uh, they've got their two guys on the back end locked up, which is important. You have... Alex Petrangelo locked up for the next, I want to say, eight years, I believe it is. And you have Shea Theodore locked up through the 2025 season at only 5.2, which is already looking like a steal because that kid is unbelievable, one of my favorite players to watch in NHL. So, like I said, it's, it's so interesting to see what they're going to do here. I want to say that they try to keep Pacioretty and just kind of cross that bridge when they come to it type thing. But if you do that and you don't win, it's just kind of an awful look, especially considering, like we said, what happened with Suzuki and how good he looks right now. There's no doubt when they made the trade, Pacioretty put them in a better win-now type mentality. They were a better team at the time with Pacioretty. Uh, right now, I'd say they realistically are still probably a better team with Pacioretty. But a year or two down the road, as a Pacioretty's 32 uh, Suzuki's, I believe, 20. So it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, Vegas is a team that I'd like to see make a run here. It's uh, it's awesome living out here, getting to see the Vegas fans everywhere I go. But uh, it's just a topic I wanted to talk about because I've always been uh, intrigued by it. And like I said, I don't think they really thought Suzuki would turn into the player that uh, you look like he's going to be. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Uh, it pretty much came out of nowhere. Uh, but yeah, he turned it on. Uh, he made like because Montreal, like all at the beginning of last season, a lot the year before this, um, like they weren't fun to watch. Like they were bad. Like they weren't a good hockey team. Like they had like Max Domi, who was pr- a pretty. He's a pretty solid player in the NHL. But like, but like the la- in the bubble and like right before the bubble started, uh, they were turning it on. Uh, they just like with their younger players started playing unbelievable. Uh, so they're looking better. Mo- uh, Montreal fans should be happy with Suzuki. And obviously, uh, like Patch Reddy gave Montreal fans a ton, uh, the, the, like the long time he was there. But um, they can't be mad getting a, after like not winning with uh, Patch Reddy, but now they have a chance to go back on some more runs with Suzuki. So, um, like like you said, like, Golden Knight fans are probably happy at the beginning, but in two years they won't be as happy about the trade for sure. Yes, exactly. Uh, one thing I just wanted to mention, I just saw this now. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets did just re-sign Pierre-Luc Dubois two years, uh, five million AVV. I think it's a good contract for him. He also came into his own in the playoffs last year. Uh, looked great in that series against Tampa. I thought he was arguably Columbus's best player. So uh, some news I just wanted to feel like sharing. Just dropped a second ago. Uh, other than that, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Uh, nope. Just gonna rest of the day, watch some hockey. Uh... And uh, see what happens from there. Got, got some great games on tonight. And then definitely really excited um, about the NHL season starting. And get the NHL um, what's a fantasy draft tomorrow as well. So that will be fun to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, other than that, guys, have a good one. We'll uh, bring you another episode post-tournament. Probably recap the tournament as well as uh, preview the NHL season. So uh, can't wait. 13 days away at this point, And... Uh, going to be a long 13 days, I guess you could say. Uh, Have a good one, guys. Have a good one.